What's up, HDR kids? It's Will and Ray. Join us today for an on-the-mic episode of Bring Bring It It On. So, Will, you're a little um, stiff today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, we're throwing it back, guys. Finally got an on-the-mic interview. Technically, we've had our Hope Court interviews are on-the-mic interviews, but, you know, they're kind of... Hope, just like a hope core edition. They core the hope. The core of the hope. I said completely opposite last time, so I had to switch it up. <laughs> Technically, the person we have on the mic today is also a hope core alumni and principal. And principal, which is why <laughs> Will <laughs> is like not looking him in the eye while he's talking. <laughs> you want to introduce him, Will? Uh, Sure. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say except for that he is a principal and that he's also in Hope Corps. And he is a pastor at Christian Growth Center. And he is also, well, known to me as the principal of CGA. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Will. You can't tell he's nervous at all, can you? Uh, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's so nervous. We spend a lot of time together in another setting. Yeah, it'll just yeah. take a second for him to like find his groove in this room. Remember, in this room, you are the you are the um, I don't know what it is. You're the boss. Uh, okay. Oh, by the way, I'm a certified scuba diver now. I saw that. Nice. Yeah, I saw that. In fact, I thank you. Uh, congratulations. We saw the pictures, and I was like, that's so cool. It makes me want to do it. But anyways. Sorry, we digress. Um, so, Brother Hicks is also known to me as my husband. <laughs> so, I'm happy to have him in here and um, telling him what to do. Uh, but anyways. You can tell she's not nervous at all. And that's I, the point. She's yeah, not. <laughs> I'm not nervous at all. We invited you in after much practice on William's part. Because you have um, a story that I had that when you preached on it, I was like, we need to do this for the podcast for the HDR kids. And then Will and I were talking about it, like after church, I think. We were just talking about it. And we were like, yeah, we should do that. And then Will's like, oh, no. That means I have to, like, know how to say the name of this person and all that. So, um, my nickname for him is just the boy. The boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, the name that we're talking about is Mephibosheth. (laughs) And even I had to say it slowly, but, um, the minute I say that, some of you may remember a Sunday school story of a little boy, his nurse is carrying him, she trips, he falls, injures himself, his legs don't work, and one day he gets to come back to the king's table. And you're like, yay, good story. But, like, of course you know us. We got to take it out of your toddler Sunday school classroom and bring it into the modern day. So we brought in the preacher of the message himself. And uh, so why don't you just tell the HDR kids about the story because I feel like it's going to really encourage them. Well, it starts in Second Samuel chapter 4. Uh, well, the specific story of Mephibosheth starts in Second Samuel chapter 4. Backstory starts in the last few chapters of 1 Samuel because in order to understand the story of Mephibosheth, you need to know who his dad was and who his grandpa was. Any and guesses? They were, I mean, one was evil, and the second one was also a friend of his dad's enemy, so, and his name was 
I don't remember. So <laughs> that sounds like a complicated family relationship. <laughs> You're like one's evil, the other one's a friend of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fr- yeah. So his grandpa was King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, and when he first became king of Israel, he was a pretty good king, and mm-hmm. his heart was in the right place, and he wanted to do what was right with God. Over a period of time, having the authority that a king has and having the wealth that a king has and the privileges that a king has, he became a guy that was nobody got along with. The preacher didn't get along with him. And eventually he lost his right to the throne when he disobeyed the man of God in his life. Ouch. So we see Saul in a downward spiral and he he loses out. Jonathan, unfortunately, has to pay the consequences of Saul's deeds. And Jonathan was? Was Saul's son, his firstborn son. And Mephibosheth was Jonathan's firstborn son. So when you read the story of Mephibosheth, you might think, this is just this unknown little boy living in a country a long time ago that I've never seen or heard about. But in reality, he was in the line to become the king of Israel himself. Wait, that that's kind of like a big deal. <laughs> like if I was in line, like if I was like rolling around five years old, I'd have been like, yeah, my grandpa's the king. My dad's going to be king. And one of these days I'm going to be king. I mean, technically I would have been queen, but <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I mean, like that's kind yeah. of a big deal because I mean, as you're about, as we're about to find out, he didn't actually be, get to become king, right? No, because Saul disobeyed the Lord and judgment came on Saul's life. He died in a battle and Jonathan died the same day and several other of Saul's sons died in that same battle, leaving Mephibosheth in the hands of a nurse and really no one to protect or take care of him at a young age of five years old. Mm. That I mean, that sucks. I mean, when I was five, I was just, I don't know, just trying to start school. <laughs> yeah, but you, I mean, f- yeah, five, but you remember it. Like five's old enough to remember that you should have been the king. And walking. Yeah. I oh. mean... Like, oh, that's important. That's going to play into it. Yeah, that's yeah, important that's because of deal. what happens next. So during the chaos, after the battle and the fall of the kingdom, the nurse grabs up Mephibosheth, runs out of the building that they're staying in, and in the process of fleeing, she drops him, and his legs become crippled, and he can no longer walk. The Bible says that he comes lame in his feet. So you can imagine being a five-year-old child, having your grandfather pass away, having your father pass away, having several of your uncles pass away, and then all in the same day, you become crippled for life. I have never thought about that. That's a lot. Like his whole family died, and then on top of that. I mean, yeah, that's just a lot to take in on one day. Yeah, by the end of the day, not only that, but he couldn't walk. So why is this important for HDR kids? Because bad things can happen to good people. And Mm. we don't always understand why those bad things happen. We feel like 
we're in the church, we go to Sunday school, we do all of the things that our pastor asks us to do, that our parents ask us to do. And sometimes, and there are probably kids listening to this episode today that have had these kind of events happen in their life that cause, whether physically or emotionally, but they cause crippledness. And the interesting thing about Mephibosheth's <laughs> Try that seven times real fast. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. No, Anyways, don't do it. Don't do it. We'll stop there. The interesting thing about Mephibosheth is that the person who was supposed to be taking care of him is the person who caused his injury. Oh, man, I feel that. Yeah. Like, I mean, he didn't do anything. I mean, it wasn't his fault. He didn't do anything wrong. Right? I mean, like. He didn't sin. He didn't. Homeboy was playing with his wooden chariots in the dirt. <laughs> Train whistle. Yeah, and then, you know, all of a sudden, all that breaks out. Can you imagine what it was like? Chaos, people running. She just grabs him up, and it wasn't even his fault. And rightfully so, she grabbed him up to flee because in those times when a king was killed or a kingdom fell, his whole family paid the price for his failure. So they weren't just going to kill the king. They would kill all of his sons, all of his grandsons, all of his nephews. Anyone connected to the house of Saul was a potential victim on that day. So instead of just sitting there and waiting for things to happen, the nurse grabs him up and runs out. And in the process of trying to do what was right, she injures him. Mm. And I think all of us, have had those situations in our life where someone who's in a place of responsibility or authority in our life is trying to do their best to help us, to lead us, to guide us, and yet still those injuries, those those events can happen in our life, and we find ourselves sitting there going, why God? So Mephibosheth disappears from the Bible for almost 20 years, give or take a few years. So think about that. He is the grandson of the king. He's in line to become king. In one day, all of his fortunes change. He becomes a crippled beggar, and he's living at the mercy of someone else in a small town called Lodabar. Uh, so do you even know where Lodabar is? <laughs> I am not entirely sure where Lodabar is at. I know, because you could have just made that name up. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's in Israel. Okay. But that's about all I know. What if they just like loaded a bar into like a trailer or something? There we go. And the cheesy jokes begin. (laughs) But I mean, the idea is that it was just an, I mean, like, it's not a town we know about. So it must have been Everybody's heard of Jerusalem, right? No, never. Just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Everybody's heard of Joshua and the Battle of. There you go. Uh, But Lodabar. And so he spends 20 years just alone Mm. at the mercy of this individual who is taking care of him. And all of a sudden, as King David has finalized his kingdom and and he has finally solidified his control, in chapter 9, he kind of just seems to wake up one day with this wild idea, and he says, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Because Jonathan was his best friend. Was David's best friend. Yeah. And whose father? Mephibosheth. Very good. <laughs> All right. 
So Mephibosheth is there, and there is a man named Ziba. So if Ziba, shout out to Ziba. I just want to throw this in there for the HDR kids. If you've ever been frustrated by the name that your parents gave you, Think mm. about these two names, Zeba and Mephibosheth. <laughs> All right. Like, uh, what's up, HDR kids? It's Zeba and Mephibosheth. <laughs> <laughs> so your name's probably not that rough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Unless you're Jimmy. Who doesn't brush his teeth? Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't want to know Jimmy. <laughs> so this man, Zeba, was a servant of Saul and took care of the household of Saul. And when David was looking for someone to honor in the name of Jonathan, Ziba said, there is yet a son of Jonathan, and he is in Lodabar. So somebody was keeping track of this young man, even when he may not have felt like anybody knew where he was. This unknown man named Ziba. Ziba. And... So David sends Ziba to bring Mephibosheth before him. And it's pretty interesting in chapter 9 when he appears, he falls on his face. I mean, he's already crippled in his feet, so he's probably using crutches or something. But when he arrives in the presence of King David, he just falls on his feet or on his face and says, you know, honors the king. And the king says, you know what, Mephibosheth, I'm going to give you everything back that you lost when you were five years old. And he, he wasn't talking about, like, toy chariots. <laughs> no, we're talking about the entire household wealth of King Saul. Who was the first king, so he's probably pretty the, wealthy. The houses, the farms, the servants, everything. That's a lot. I mean, especially if you have, you're lame in your feet, like, how are you supposed to take care of that? <laughs> right. I mean, how is he going to work in that day and time? There's no you know, benefits for the disabled at that time. Mm. Right. He's literally in that time, those who were crippled were at the mercy and and the giving of individuals. That was their only resource. And his response is amazing. I just think it's incredible how he responds to King David because he says, I am a dead dog. That's incredible? (laughs) It's incredible because he realizes his position to the king, and he says, basically, he is saying, I am nothing. Okay, that makes more sense now. (laughs) So why is this so important? That's crazy because he could have gone in there and been like... I should be the king, right? He could have gone in there and been like... I mean, I'm the king. I should be the king. Right. Like, 20 you stole years my later, spot. And, like, yeah. 20 years by himself, he could have been 20 years by himself living, not even his own money. Somebody else is taking care of him. Like, it's like almost like foster care. Like, they're, they're just very much like foster they're care. They're just taking care of him. He doesn't own anything. He doesn't have any of his own money. 20 years of that, I think I'd be like, yo, what's up, king? Uh, so, um, this should be my kingdom. Uh, what you gonna do before? What you gonna do for me? <laughs> you know. Yeah. But he made no demands on King David. He made no demands on God. He made no demands in the situation at all. He just was willing to accept the mercy of King David. So how all of this started, and how I got so interested in Mephibosheth and started studying him, was for a children's church service here at Christian Growth Center. 
and the theme of the service was the king's table. So the interesting part of this whole dialogue of, of this time that he has spent in isolation is that eventually the king calls for him to come and sit at the king's table. And in one moment, his entire situation changed. He went from being a beggar, living in this God-forsaken city on the edge of Israel. In Lodabar. He gets the provision of the king, so he gets to eat every meal every day at the king's table. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No more hot dogs. <laughs> By the way, just remember my cheesy joke when you're trying to say the city's name. Load the bar. Yep. Okay. Um, and not only is the king going to feed him every day, and not only is he going to get, get to sit at the king's table, in a moment, he became the master of all of Saul's domains. He became, in our terms today, the boss of over 38 people who are suddenly working for him and all of that income is coming to him. He's no longer a beggar. He's no longer at the mercy of those who are giving alms, but all of a sudden he's been given back by the King, everything that he lost. That's incredible. Like in just a snap of a finger, like the David said it and it was, that was it. It changed everything. I, I believe I, I did read a little bit on some of it. The story I believe King David tells Ziba <laughs> to like bring all his servants and brothers to work on this farm and stuff that uh, Mephibosheth now has. <laughs> so like, so it didn't even matter that he was crippled anymore. Like it, no. re- not, not that it wasn't there. He was still crippled, but like it, it didn't matter. And when he sat at the king's table, nobody cared that he was crippled. Well, yeah, because when you're all sitting. And nobody's going to say anything Nobody's to standing you. on their feet. You can't tell that his feet are lame. Nobody's going to say anything to you at the Oh, king's not with table. the king's table. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I especially wouldn't. They're going to be like, Mephibosheth, what's up? So here's the hook. Here's the hook of the whole story. We're ready. We're ready. Okay. Remember, Saul falls. He departs from the Lord. He begins consorting with witches. He's an idol worshiper. He has totally departed. Jonathan, his father, is caught up in the consequences of it, even though he's a good man, and he dies as a result of Saul's actions. And Mephibosheth is left lame and broken in all of this. But what does the name Mephibosheth mean? Mm, You've said this so much, and I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) This blew my mind when I read it. it. I know it has something to do with like shame or something like that. It does have something to do with shame. Very good. You remembered some of it. The name literally means exterminator of shame. So Whoa. think about all of the shame that came down on Mephibosheth's family. Well, let's talk about that. The shame of his family. You're saying his family, first of all. So like... Yeah, can you imagine you're walking around five years old, your dad your dad's the prince, basically, your father your grandfather's the king, but then your grandfather's a sinner backslider, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. 
so the shame of that, because that can be hard to have a backslidden parent. We've talked about that. And then then this, then you're the guy who's the king. Everybody knows he's doing wrong. And then he he dies. All his sons dies. He loses the battle. So the shame of being of a house of like failure, his family failed. Right. And many times people will try to put the failures of our families on us as kids. Mm. But there's a revelation from the scripture that says we can be the exterminator of shame in our families. Whoa, so Mephibosheth ain't a bad name after all. <laughs> no, but you, hard to say. You wouldn't happen to know what Zeba means, do you? I don't. <laughs> that one up. It's uh, what Zebra came it's from. It's got like no name. It's got like no context. But hey, not just the shame of that, but also exterminator of the shame of being lame. Because like you said, mm-hmm. if people were crippled, that was kind of it. You were low class, like no matter what. And you find even in reading in the Gospels where in the days of Jesus, if you were lame or impotent or had a palsy or any of those things, many people thought you had that condition because you were a sinner. Wow. So shame was heaped on those people and they were treated as if they were sinners. And there's an interesting story in John chapter 9 where Jesus says when dealing with the healing of a blind man, and he was asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this came upon him? And Jesus said, neither. None of them have sinned. This condition is here for the glory of God. Mm. That's just like... <laughs> so that, I feel like for HDR kids, let's bring it down. Let's keep it real, right? That happens to kids all the time. Like, if they come from a broken home, like, people look at them a little, like, differently. I know this because I came through foster care, and I had, like, a great home. I did have a good family. I know it doesn't sound like it because I had in foster care, but, like, I had a great upbringing. But, like, when you tell somebody you were a foster kid, like, there's instantly they look at you a little differently. You know, when you tell somebody that, you know, your parents are a backslider, in Sunday school, how many times had you heard the story? I actually don't remember hearing about it. Well, actually, I heard it once. I heard it once before. And the way the teacher explained it was that he, like, rolled down some stairs and stuff like that. And I was like... That's kind of all you remember. Right. But you don't think about the fact that of what... You don't think about what he went through and how, in the end, he was the exterminator of shame. And it all happened because the, the king called him to his table. And we know that the king that calls us to his table isn't David. It's right. Jesus Christ. Which is my last point about Mephibosheth and this whole thing is that Jesus Christ is called the son of David. Right? So when we come to the king's table, we're not coming to King David's table. King David did not have the power to heal Mephibosheth right. in his body. He provided for him. He covered, which is the theme of the Old Testament, that God covered his people. But when we come to Jesus Christ, now it's different. It's the removal. It's deliverance. It's healing. So when we come to our king's table, we don't just have to cover the crippledness or lameness in our life. We get even more than Mephibosheth. We get healed and delivered. Wow. 
And every one of our HDR kids that may be struggling with something, one of these situations that we've talked about, I want to encourage them today that you can be the exterminator of shame. Yes. It's so good. It's such a good story. I had to have it on because... Listen, you guys have heard my testimony, but and one day you may get to hear Brother Hicks's testimony. But um, eventually, it, it comes along. You something in life is going to cripple you. It's going to happen. All of us, if we were honest, everybody has something that's hurt them. Um, even a preacher or another person in church or a family member or physical, actual physical issues. And I just think it's so powerful to know that our King. This story is us. This story is us. It's how we we go to the king. Absolutely. He calls us and we go to him and he and he is the one who actually removes the shame. Makes us the exterminators of shame. And we get so much more than Mephibosheth. I mean, imagine if Mephibosheth would have been in the New Testament. Homeboy would have been walking <laughs> like a normal man. Right. You know, exactly. so uh, and that's us. God can heal us. God can remove the shame and heal us. So thank you so much for sharing this story. The first time I heard it, uh, it brought tears to my eyes. And maybe because it hits home with my story, but even Will was like, yeah, that was a good story. When he preached it in church, Will was like, yeah, this is a good one. We should talk about this. It's pretty cool, but like on a lot of messages, you notice this, but every time I hear this story, there's always something new to learn. There is. There is. There's always some. Every time you read the Bible, I feel like. So here's another plug to the HDR kids. Read, read your, your Bible. Bible. Pray every day. And you'll grow. Grow. Hey. Grow. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll knock the pop filter down. I don't know. On that, too, HDR kids, uh, keep posted. Keep posted? No. Stay tuned because we may be initiating a um, Bible reading contest. So I, that may be coming up in the works. I don't know. We got to do something to encourage you guys to read. But um, thank you, Brother Hicks. You're for, welcome. For thank joining you, Principal. You're welcome, Will. <laughs> and uh, we'll have we'll have to have you back sometime. I would love to do it. All right. So that was a good uh, story, huh? But, well, yeah, super powerful. Do you feel like you got it down now <laughs> the third time? Around? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it takes repetitiveness to catch a story. So, you know, listen to this podcast again in another week and you'll be like, whoa, I didn't hear them say that. <laughs> Exterminator of shame. Or wait, what? He couldn't walk? And wait, now we have Jesus Christ. So listen to it. Listen to it over and over. Go listen to our other podcast. Share it with other HDR kids because if you enjoy this. Other kids will too. Yeah, you're, share it with your neighbors. Share it with people that you know are going through some of the same things. Um, find us on Instagram at the official Bring It On. You could email us at theofficialbringiton at gmail.com. Until then, guys, you know the drill. Keep it real and bring, bring it on. on.